Well, thank you so much for coming and uh, joining us online. We really appreciate you doing that. And uh, as we begin, I just have a quick question for you. And the question is simply this. What is your number one attribute during the Christmas season? All right, maybe drop that in the comments. What is your number one attribute during the Christmas season? If I was to describe you during the month of December, what would be the most prominent characteristic, all right? Maybe you might be writing excited. Uh, Maybe you might be a thoughtful person. Hey, I am very thoughtful. I know some people that are like that. Um, What about joyful? You're super joyful. Um, Might be that. Or maybe even you say my most prominent characteristic is that I am loving during the Christmas season. What is your most prominent characteristic? Now, all of those are positive, okay? So don't everybody just write all positive things in there. Let's think about we could have some negative. How many of you maybe say I'm stressed during the holidays? Or how about grumpy? All right, what about impatient? I know, maybe not necessarily our church people, but I know there are a lot of people in this world that are impatient during the Christmas season. How about this one? Always in a rush. Always in a rush. Again, all, there's all kinds of people that are always in a rush. And this one's good. This one's probably good for me. How about this one? Unprepared. Unprepared. How many of you are unprepared for Christmas. Listen, there's all kinds of different emotions. There's all kinds of different characteristics. Which one are you? Go ahead and drop that in the comments. Let's have some fun with that. But on the serious note, there could be even some serious anxiety or depression even at Christmas time. And I understand that, that this is a hard time for a lot of people and very difficult. And I know that's going on. But I want you to think about those things. For me, uh, I think I could be just about every one of these things that I've mentioned already. Um, when, when I start thinking about Christmas, I really do. I get excited and I get thoughtful um, about the gifts that I want to get. I, I start thinking about how I want to get those things and all of those uh, things. And then, honestly, I start to second-guess myself. And what happens is then I get stressed. Okay, so then I get stressed about getting the right gifts, and then because I'm stressed, I procrastinate and I wait until it's far too late to get my gifts, and then I'm unprepared, and then obviously, typically, you're in a rush, um, and then Christmas comes, and I'm joyful, and I'm loving about the Christ- what Christmas has to offer, but what best describes you? Uh, we woke up this Christmas, my kids actually woke us up, and we got up, and you know, I was a little bit groggy, I tried to not be um, what I had described last week, but I was trying to be a little bit more positive and energetic. But these ones that we were looking at earlier, um, the uh, excitement, the thoughtful, the joyful, and loving, listen, those are very positive characteristics, and they're, they're energetic, and they're powerful. Um, when you love someone at Christmas, that's energetic, and that's powerful, and that passes on. When you're joyful at Christmas, that's energetic, that's powerful, and you can pass that on. And all of these different things are positive, but there's also negative ones, the ones that we listed afterwards, stressed, grumpy, impatient, um, in a rush, unprepared. Those ones are negative. And listen, those are draining and those are weakening. And listen, you also pass those on. When you're in a rush and you're impatient and you cut somebody off in the parking lot, listen, that only encourages the, the uh, impatience and the stress, all right? So those are draining and weakening. All of these things are going on in our lives, and all of these things are characteristics, really, 
they become more prominent during Christmas time because they, there's, there's all so much going on. And so it's easy to become stressed. It's easy to become grumpy. It's easy to become impatient. But it's also an interesting time. It's a wonderful time to become loving, joyful, and all of those positive things as well. And by the way, we sing about those things all the time. We sing joy to the world and the joy of the season and peace on earth, goodwill toward men. We sing all of those things. I think it's hopefully a little bit of reminder. Hey, this is what this season is about. So this morning, I want to take a look at, a, at Christmas in, again, a different perspective. I want to look at the specific characteristics of one man during Christmas. And I want to explore his reasons uh, for being this way. I want to take a look at why he is the way he is. So I want to give you this morning what message I've entitled, An Energizing Perspective. An Energizing Perspective. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 and verse 21. Luke chapter 2 and verse 21. The Bible says this. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll jump right into this. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day and for this opportunity that we have to be here this morning. Father, we love you and we're so thankful for your birth and that we can celebrate. Father, as we continue to look at this Christmas season and just look at things from a little bit of a different perspective, Father, I pray that you would help us see exactly what it is that you want us to see this morning. Help us to keep our eyes focused on you. and Father, help us to remember the reason why you came to this earth in the first place. Thank you so much for dying on the cross for our sins. Help us to maintain that as our focus. Father, we love you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. These three or four verses, four or five verses here, I guess, um, explain to us that what was going on. So after eight days, they named the child, and they named the child Jesus after the, what the angel had told them that they should be naming the child. And so it's actually 40 days after Jesus was born. If you do a little bit of study throughout the Old Testament law, it's about 40 days after Jesus was born. They now bring Jesus to the temple um, to present him to the Lord as the Jewish law mandated. Now the temple was a place that, of consecration. Jesus was being brought to the temple to be consecrated before the Lord. It, it was giving him over to God. Things that were brought the temple, brought to the temple were holy to the Lord. Now you see sacrifices and they're holy to the Lord. And all of these things coming into the temple, they were for a purpose, for a reason. And so obviously we know Jesus was the Son of God. If you don't know that, that's a whole other Bible study. We'd love to take that time and go through that with you. But there is obviously Jesus was the Son of God, and so he would always be holy before the Lord. That's, that's his characteristic. That's who he is. He was holy before the Lord. But this visit to the temple had something else in store for them other than just sacrifice and bringing Jesus to the temple. And let's take a look at what this is. Luke chapter 2 and verse 25. The Bible says this, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. 
and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the, uh, when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. You see, Simeon was a man that followed after God. Simeon, again here in verse 25, we see that he was a just and a devout man. He was not devout to anything else. He was devout to God. He was a godly man. Simeon had a unique opportunity now here with Jesus. And he had a very unique bond with this child even before he ever knew him. He had a very unique bond. The interesting thing about this in verse 26, the Bible says, it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he was going to see uh, life until he had seen Jesus Christ. He was promised that he would not die until he had seen Christ. And so I want to look at this man today. He's a very special man, and the, the Bible doesn't really say much about him other than these few verses, really 10 verses that the Bible gives about him, but very interesting time. Now I want you to understand this is 40 days after Christmas. We're only a couple days after Christmas here today. But this is a time in which Simeon had longed for. And so as we look at this, I hope that as we look at Simeon, it will hopefully change your perspective and energize you. Listen, I know that the circumstances of our life aren't exactly what we would wish them to be. But listen, circumstances don't change much other than they change our circumstances, but they cannot change you. And so let's take a look at this. Let's take a look, and hopefully these things will energize you this morning. Number one, I want you to see very simply that Simeon was patient. Simeon was patient. Let's go ahead and look at verse 25 again. The Bible says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, watch this phrase here, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Consolation means console or peace brought about to Israel. He was waiting for, if you will, the first comforter to come. We understand, if you are a student of your Bible, you understand that, you, that Jesus was the first comforter. He said, I will send to you another comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. Jesus is the first comforter. He was the consolation of Israel. Now, he was waiting for that. He was patient in that. I want you just to think about the circumstances of the time that Simeon lived. The circumstances were this. At this time, Rome was in power. Rome was in control. 
Rome had the final say as to what was going to happen. In fact, again, you study your Bible, any amount of time you see and you understand the hold that Rome had on the Jews. Romans were not particularly nice to the Jews. Um, we understand that even through the second mile principle, if you, someone bids you go a mile, go with him twain. That's the second mile principle. We understand that was because a Roman soldier could grab a Jew and say, hey, carry my load for a mile. He had every right to do that. He was a Roman soldier. And so they were not particularly fond of the Roman soldiers. The Jews were frustrated, but God's instruction to them was, listen, go ahead and take that another mile. Go ahead and do that one better. And so they were not particularly nice to the Jews. Okay? Many of the people that would spend their time with Jesus would simply ask him repeatedly if he was going to rid him of the Romans and set up the kingdom. Many times we saw that. Hey, is, are you going to usher in your kingdom now? Are you going to be the king of the Jews? Are you going to set up your kingdom? Listen, very simply, the Jews were very, very ready to be rid of the Romans. They were ready to be gone with them. They were ready to be free from the Roman regime. And so there is no doubt in my mind that Simeon would have felt some of this. He would have felt this uh, frustration. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. This was his life's goal. This was what he was doing with his life, waiting for the consolation of Israel. He knew that he would not die until he had seen Jesus Christ. Yet he was patient. He knew that his life would not be complete until he had seen Christ. He was patient. Very simply, think about this. He waited patiently for God's promise to come true. He waited patiently for God's promise to come true. You see, there were all kinds of things that could have riled up Simeon. There are all kinds of things that could have uh, frustrated him. There are all kinds of things that could have uh, turned him aside from his life's goal. But nonetheless, we know this much. We know that he walked in the Spirit. The Bible says the Holy Ghost was upon him, verse 25. Verse 26, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost. Listen, this man walked in the Spirit of God. Every day I can just imagine he getting up and communing with God. Every day he get up, commune, and spend time and pray and read the law and try to figure out what God wanted him to do that day. If you know Galatians chapter 5, the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And then the fourth one is one that we don't often like. It's long-suffering. Long-suffering. This is part of the fruit of the Spirit. And I, there's no doubt in my mind that a man who is just and devout, walking in the Holy Spirit, displayed long-suffering. Basically, if you were to describe it, it would be suffering long. Putting up with wrongdoing for a long time. Putting up with wrongdoing for a long time. Let's, let me just be honest with you this morning. I'm sure there are many that are frustrated. Many that are irritated. Maybe even a bit depressed with things that are going on in the world. And not even just this year, but every year. Things that just irritate you. Things that just frustrate you. Things that stress you out. And it, there, There's even wrongdoing. And I had somebody steal my parking spot the other day. And I thought, what in the world are people doing? You know what? I thought, well, maybe he's in a rush. 
Listen, there's all kinds of things that are, are, are crushing us and making us feel these, these negative feelings. But I want you to understand, patience is an energizing force. Patience is an energizing force. I want you to turn over to James chapter 1 with me. James chapter 1. Hebrews, James, James chapter 1 in verse 2, the Bible says this, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptations. Verse 3, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Verse 4 says, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. You see, patience is brought about by the trying of your faith. Patience is brought about by the trying of your faith. So listen, when difficult times come, that is the only time you can experience patience. Let me say that again. When difficult times come, that's the only time you can experience patience. Let me illustrate. When my children are perfect angels... They are just wonderful. They're obeying. Everything's going well. If I ask them if they would pick up their rooms, I mean, they, they, I don't even have to ask them to pick up their rooms. They just have it spotless. Everything's great. Everything's wonderful. They are just wonderful angels, halos all around. When that's the case, I'm telling you right now, I don't have to practice patience. But let me tell you, when they are angels from hell, and their rooms are a pigsty, and they're throwing things against the wall, and they're breaking windows, and they're doing all kinds of things. That's when you have to practice patience. See, you see the difference? It's, it's important to understand that patience is, is a, when exercised properly, the end will be perfect and entire, watching nothing or wanting nothing. Look at verse 4 again. But let patience have her perfect work. Let it play out, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. You will literally, if you have patience, you will literally not want another thing. You are complete. You are filled entirely. Listen, you have no need of anything else. You are perfectly content with your circumstances. You are perfectly content with your circumstances. You're just patient. Listen, I know God is in control. So there is no doubt in my mind that this was Simeon. There's no doubt in my mind that the circumstances around him were perhaps trying to infiltrate that, but yet he said, no, I am waiting for the consolation of Israel. I'm waiting. I'm patient. Listen, there's something that we can all be waiting for. We can be looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ. Listen, things are going to go on in this world not just 2020. Things are going to go on that you, in your personal life that you just simply don't want to happen. Listen, just be patient. Let the trying of your faith work patience. Let it work patience because when you are patient, when you are content, when you are satisfied, listen, it's energizing. I gave the illustration that somebody stole my parking spot the other day. Well, I found another one. And you know what? I said, you know what? Maybe he's just in a rush. Maybe he's, you know, having a rough day or whatever. And you know what? It doesn't bother me because I'm just patient. It's freeing. It's energizing. Guess what I got to do? I walked into the store that I was going into. I, I was actually whistling. Not 
because I had to, but because I wanted to, because I didn't care that somebody just stole my parking spot. But patience can also breed just absolute joy and wonder. And that's the second thing I want you to see. Number two, he was joyful. Number two, he was joyful. I want you to look at Luke chapter 2 and verse 27 with me. Luke chapter 2 and verse 27. The Bible says this, And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. He was joyful. Can you just picture the joy that Simeon had? He knows that this is now the salvation of Israel. This is the consolation of Israel. He knows, again, he says, this is the light of the world. This is who it is. He knows that this is what he's been waiting for all this time. And so I can just picture joy picking him up in his arms. And I don't know, the Bible doesn't say that he was jumping up and down for joy. But I can just picture even inside jumping up and down for joy. I can just imagine Now I want you to stop there for a second and think he was joyful because everything that he had been waiting for had finally come to pass. What an exciting time. What a wonderful time. But I want to just take a little bit of a different perspective here. And this is often what we will do in our lives is we can look at things from two different perspectives. We can look at the wonder or we can look at the negative. So let's look at the negative for a second. Do you realize that now that Simeon had seen Jesus, that this meant that Simeon would now die. You realize that? So the negative is, oh great, now I'm going to die. Have you ever met someone who is joyful to die? Man, I am so excited, I now get to die. Because that's really what's going on here. Simeon is excited not only because Jesus uh, is coming, but Simeon gets to die. Now, Simeon, you've seen this baby, your death is now imminent. Listen, that's, that's often how we view things. We view things from a very negative perspective. Oh, great, now i got to die. Yet, in all of this, in all of this information, now Simeon's going to die, the consolation of Israel is here. Simeon is joyful about this. Again, part of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy. It's joy. Listen, when you're walking with God and you're spending time in the Spirit, you can have joy in any circumstance. Listen, there are many of us that, have our, have, that our circumstances remove our joy from us. Yeah, I've been there. Where circumstances have stripped me of my joy. We are not jumping up and down excited because of the problems that we have. I remember when back in March... When the coronavirus was first coming into Canada and things were beginning to shut down, there were problems and all kinds of different things. And there was two perspectives. We could look at it negatively or we could look at it as an opportunity. And so there's all kinds of circumstances that remove our joy. Again, we could be frustrated, discouraged, or even depressed about things that are going on. Yet here is Simeon scooping up Jesus and jumping for joy. He was joyful. So not only was he patient, not only was he joyful, and I, bring, I think the third thing, uh, joy brings about peace. Number three, I want you to see that he had peace. Verse 29, you have uh, Luke chapter 2. The Bible says, Lord, 
Now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace. He was ready. He was completely and utterly ready to depart in peace. There was nothing anymore troubling his soul. Nothing. He wasn't sitting uh, in his house thinking, when is Jesus going to show? When is the consolation of Israel going to come? He didn't have that. There was no troubling, nothing troubling his soul. He was no longer looking for the consolation of Israel. The consolation of Israel was there with him. He was no longer doing any of those things. His life had been fulfilled. His life purpose. He was at peace. Now let me ask you something very pointed. When was the last time you had real peace? When was the last time you had real peace? When was the last time you felt a freedom? A relief from the stress and cares of this world and you just had peace? When was the last time? Listen, the world is longing for peace. The world is longing for peace. And maybe you sit there this morning and you think, man, I just want some peace. I just want to know. I want this stress out of my life. I want this depression out of my life. I want this, all of these negative things out of my life. Listen, peace is simply a quietness or rest. Picture it. I just want to be at, at, at peace. Sure, we can rest physically. Many of us will over the next several days. We'll rest physically. But listen, often mentally and emotionally, even though we're resting physically, mentally and emotionally, we are in tribulation. Just, it's painful, it's hard, we just don't know what to do. Stressed. When was the last time you had peace? I give you all of these characteristics for a reason. We can easily see them in the life of Simeon. The Bible does not give us anything negative about Simeon. I'm not trying to say he was inhuman. I'm not trying to say any of that. Although of everything that was going on, Simeon had these characteristics at the very first Christmas because of one thing. And there's this one thing that we can have here in 2020 as well. Listen, his eyes were very simply not on his circumstances. His eyes were on God. His eyes were on God. Simeon was patient because his eyes were on God. He knew that at the right time, God would bring about the deliverer. He didn't have to worry about it. He didn't have to control it. He didn't have to try to make something happen. He just knew that God would provide it in his time. Simeon had joy because his joy was not found in his circumstances. His joy was founded upon the God that was in control of the circumstances. Listen, God knows what's going on. Simeon had the joy of the Lord. Simeon had peace simply because, again, he was resting in the power of God. Again, he didn't have to try to become the consolation of Israel himself. It was not Simeon who was supposed to be the consoler of Israel, the deliverer of Israel. Simeon didn't have to become the Savior. Simeon didn't have to die on the cross. Simeon didn't have to have the sin of the entire world placed upon him. And he knew that. He knew that God was going to provide that. And so he had peace. Especially when God provides it. There's just 
hates. Please, let me be very clear with you today. If you do not have these three characteristics in your life, it is most likely because we have taken our eyes off of Christ. It is most likely because we have taken our eyes off of Christ. Listen, he had peace and he could trust God because he spent his time with God. He could have joy in the midst of crazy circumstances and he could have the joy of the Lord in his life because he spent his time with God, with the joy. Listen, if you spend your time with negative people, you're going to be negative. If you spend your time with joyful people, happy people, positive people, you're going to be positive. We all know that. So why don't we spend our time with God? We, we can be patient when we trust in God, when we know that what he says is going to come true. Listen to me. We must keep our eyes on Christ. I'll give you a personal illustration and I'll close. Two weeks ago, I left the Sunday morning service after preaching on the first Christmas and giving you a different perspective of all that Mary and Joseph had been through, the government mandates and the no family and the shattered expectations. I preached that message and the Lord in my heart had used that and gotten me thinking. But I got home and I was not joyful. I was not patient and I was not peaceful. I was wrestling things in my mind was thinking about things and thinking about the direction that we were headed. I was thinking about all kinds of different circumstances about my life and different things that were going on. And I was snapping at my wife. I was snapping at my kids. If I can say it this way, I was really not in a good place mentally. I was upset. I don't really have a specific thing that I can uh, point you to, but it was just kind of a, a myriad of different things. And it was, I was frustrated. And, and again, honestly, I can honestly say that my eyes were on my circumstances. My eyes were on the things going on in this world. My eyes were on everything but Jesus. And literally, I was literally, I can, I can picture this still today. I was literally drowning in my thoughts. I was drowning. And I was fighting to keep my head above water. And at one point, Beth asked me, what's wrong? And I said, I'm just struggling. I don't know why, I'm just struggling. And so I, I, I couldn't really give her an answer. I just knew that I was drowning in this. And if, if you will, I was like Peter, who had the opportunity to walk on water. He had the opportunity to rise above the waves and the wind. And as long as he looked at Jesus, he was walking on the water. But as he looked at his circumstances and what was going on in his life, he began to drown. He began to sink. So I can honestly say that for a couple days I had taken my eyes off of God. I had taken my eyes off of him. And to be honest, I was trying to control my circumstances. I was trying to be God in my, my own life. I was trying to be something that I was not meant to be. I was trying to be God in my own life. Listen, I don't, I don't say that to discourage you. I say that to tell you I have been there. This message is more for me than any of you because this is what I had to go through and, and this study on Simeon has really encouraged me, has really energized me because listen, hear me well, God is in control of everything that's going on. 
God knows what you're going through. God has allowed some of these things to come into our life. And listen, I am not supposed to rush God. I wanted to rush God. I still in some ways do. But listen, I know that God's in control. I know that he is in control of the circumstances. And so often I want the answers right now. I want to know why. I want to know what. I want to know how right now. And I want things to change right now. I want things done the way that I want them done. But it, again, God does not work that way. God works in his own time. Here's my responsibility. My responsibility is to trust him. You see, when Jesus, when God tries our faith, he does it so that we will trust him. He's putting our faith to the test. And then I'll have patience. Listen, I'm still, I'm not really where I should be on this. But this study has helped me immensely. I need to just have patience and wait until God shows me. And wait until God gives me that clarity. Until God brings that child along and says, here, this is the consolation of Israel. It's right in front of you. You can't miss it. I have to wait for that. When I take my eyes off of God, I lose my joy. And, and my, my wife, go ahead, text her. She'll tell you, I had lost my joy. I had lost all patience and I was not at all peaceful. I got upset. I got angry. I said things that I regret saying very much. I had to apologize to my kids. I had to apologize to my wife and say I was wrong. Listen, I don't like doing that. I let my circumstances steal my joy. I let my thoughts try to overcome my patience in God. When I took my eyes off of God, I had no peace. Listen, I didn't sleep well because I was worried about my circumstances. I think I ground my teeth more ever in the last two weeks than I have ever in my life because I was trying to control my circumstances. I had no peace. I made poor decisions. I messed up. See, the perspective that I want to give you this morning, that I want you to see this morning, is to have an energized life. We must keep our eyes on Christ. Let me say that again. In order to have an energized life, we must keep our eyes on Christ. Listen, let, let me put it to you this way. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, the Bible says, And you hath he quickened, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. God's whole, God is in the business of energizing, of quickening, of taking something that's dead and turning it into life. That's all he's looking to do. So may, you may be going through life right now, and you have never even known Jesus Christ. You may have never experienced his love for you. Then this morning I want to encourage you to know Christ. The Bible says that Jesus was born for the sole purpose of dying. He died to give you life. The Bible says that we're all sinners. That's the bad news. We all sin. We all do things wrong. We all break God's commandment. The Bible says that lying is a sin. Bad thoughts, impure thoughts, incorrect thoughts, improper motives are all sin. But listen, Jesus came and the Bible says that the sin of the entire world was placed upon him. And that sin then was taken and 
placed on the cross. Jesus died. The Bible says that he was buried. Guess what? The sin was buried with him. He went to hell and paid the penalty for our sin. And he wants you to know that. He wants you to accept that. He wants you to see that. The Bible says that three days later, he left those sins in hell. And he came out of the grave, pure, spotless lamb of God. And you know why he did that? He did that for for me. He did that for you. So if you don't know him today, he's trying to give you a free gift. He paid for it already. All you have to do is receive. All you have to do is accept. Listen, it will energize you. The Bible says that it will pass you from death unto life. This morning, you may know Jesus Christ. You may already be saved. But perhaps you, like me, I hate to tell you that, have taken your eyes off of Jesus during this time. You've lost your joy. You've lost your patience. patience, And you are not filled with peace. You know it. Listen, if we are going to experience these things, we have got to take time to see God. We've got to. If we want to experience this energize, if we want to get out of this rut, we've got to take time and experience God and see him. We have to take the time to trust in him. Only way we're going to trust in him is we take time to know him. I'm in this boat with you. I hate that it happened. I have to now admit that it happened. I, I had to go to my wife. I had to go to my kids and say, I, I, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I wasn't in a good place. It's my fault. Admit it and now move forward. I now need to move forward and I need to get my eyes back on him. It's, it's not easy because we like to wallow in self-pity. You, you can see that from characters in the Bible. People like to wallow. Jonah wallowed in self-pity. Elijah wallowed in self-pity. Listen, all these men, great men of God, wallowed in self-pity for a little while. I understand that. But if we're going to be energized, if we're going to do something, if we're going to continue to move forward into 2021, no matter what comes, we must keep our eyes on Christ. We must. Let me ask you this question. Will you join me in doing that? Will you join me in keeping our eyes on Christ, and having an energizing perspective. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for this opportunity that you've allowed us to be here this morning. And Father, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to trust you every single day. Father, we don't know what tomorrow holds. We honestly do not. We for sure don't know what a month from now holds. And so, Father, as we look to the future and as we look for your blessed hope, your coming, would you help us to have patience? Would you help us to have joy, Father, when in this world there is no joy? And Father, help us to have peace. Again, in this world that has no peace, help us to be something different. Help us to be energizing, not just to ourselves, but to other people around. Let us be the light you so desperately want to shine in this darkness. Help us, Father, to keep our eyes on you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you so much for the opportunity of knowing you, understanding, and knowing 
the light that's inside of us. Thank you so much for dying on the cross for our sins. and Help us to share that love with the people around us. I'm going to ask you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning as we continue. This is our time to simply make a decision and just as if it's live. Here in our church, I would challenge you to write a decision down today. I'd challenge you to make a decision. I would challenge you to write it down. So we're going to take some time to do that. Your decision might be that you need to just get your eyes back on, on Jesus. Your decision might be even more practical. I am going to take X amount of time to be with God. I'm going to take this time in the morning or I'm going to take this time at night or wherever it might be, I'm going to get practical. I'm going to get serious about this decision. And I hope that you will take some time and write that down. We're going to give you some time to do that right now.